All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and happy Friday. Yes, it is Friday. Hard to believe we got there, but we did indeed. Very excited to have made it through a very busy, newsy, scoopy week here in Washington, D.C., and at Just the News. Uh, Yes, you're listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Now, we got a great show for you today. Morgan Ortegas, the former spokeswoman at the State Department, the former top aide to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is joining us. We're really excited about that because she knows a lot about this emerging Iran deal. And we want to get you prepared for what's really going on in this space. And then on top of that, we also want to ask her about her candidacy for a House seat in Tennessee. Yes, Donald Trump has endorsed her to run for a House congressional seat in this great state of Tennessee, where she just recently moved. We're going to cover all of that. There's some interesting local politics going on that. Some of the local Tennessean politicians trying to potentially nullify her candidacy by putting in a three-year residency rule. We'll ask her about that as well. And then we're going to bring Mike Davis on. We had him on earlier in the week. He is the former chief counsel for nominations at the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, the committee that vets our Supreme Court nominees. He was previously a a law clerk for Justice Neil Gorsuch. He ran the nomination process for several judges, including the very high-profile, high-tense nomination for Justice Brett Kavanaugh, which the Democrats did quite a job of ad hominem attacks on Justice Kavanaugh. He survived. He got through, but pretty significant there. He's a battle-tested warrior. He has something very interesting that we want to talk about. He continues to dig into the records, the Sentencing Commission records, other records of Judge Kentanji Brown-Jackson, and he has found a moment when she was serving on the U.S. Sentencing Commission where Judge Jackson said that child pornographers are not pedophiles. Let me repeat that. Judge Jackson, the woman who aspires to be the next Supreme Court justice to replace Stephen Breyer on the high court, said that child pornographers are not pedophiles. Well, we've kind of known that, but what Mike Davis dug up was that there were experts that were 
at this hearing, we're at this event where Judge Jackson made this, and they contested what she said. She said she had it wrong. Pornographers, child pornographers are pedophiles, according to the experts. And two, contrary to what Judge Jackson said, they do pose a threat, a security threat to American safety, something she disagreed with. So she found herself on the opposite side of two very significant experts in this. Important documents, we're going to put those out there today for you to read. He's going to talk about it. Lots to think through on this thing. One of the questions we'll be asking him, of course, is why are those child pornographer leniency sentences? She had seven sentences where she had the option to go more lenient or to go below the sentencing guidelines. And all seven, 100% of the time, she went softer on the child pornographer. We're going to ask why that is so important long-term to the conversation. All right. What a great show. It is a great show. I'm really excited about it. So we're not going to waste any time. We're going to take a quick commercial break here from our sponsors and advertisers. And when we come back, our first guest, Morgan Ortega, former chief spokeswoman for the State Department, former top aide to Mike Pompeo. We're going to talk about all things Iran, the Iran deal, Russia, Ukraine, and her unexpected candidacy for United States Congress in Tennessee. And then Mike Davis will be joining us uh, to talk about the Judge Jackson nomination process, a nominee who is uh, facing a lot of scrutiny over the last few days. We're going to cover both of those right after this commercial message. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens 
can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. So excited to have this guest on. You saw her on the podium at the State Department, right along the side of uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, when those big moments in history were happening, like the Abraham Accords. She's now running for Congress in Tennessee. Joining me right now, Morgan Ortegas. Morgan, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, John. It's an honor. It's an honor to have you on. You uh, And great timing, because I'm hearing a lot of noise in the diplomatic and security space that Joe Biden is ready to pull the trigger on another flawed Iran deal. Um, it's amazing because this deal is really not only a deal with Iran, it's a deal with Vladimir Putin and Russia. Your thoughts about what's going to happen here? You know, John, my my blood is literally boiling as I heard you just talking about that. And listen, so you're, the people who listen to you and watch you are very sophisticated and they certainly understand uh, what's going on here. But just to give everybody a refresh and, and to remember, the original JCPOA, the original Iran deal that Obama uh, sold, uh, I was going to say sold all of us on, but most of us didn't buy it. Uh, that deal was predicated upon the belief uh, that Iran would not obtain a nuclear weapon. Now, what's the truth? We all you know the truth is that all it, all it made sure, all, is, all it ensured was that the deal would be, uh, that the building of a nuclear weapon, that that can would be kicked down the road for other presidents to deal with. So when President Trump and Mike Pompeo and our team came in, uh, we said, you know what, this makes absolutely no sense. Iran is the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. Number one, number one state sponsor of terrorism. We are giving them, they're our enemy, we're giving them billions of dollars in sanctions relief. And meanwhile, our friends uh, in Israel and in the Gulf Arab states uh, are being t- attacked and threatened by the Shia proxies and militias and terrorist groups throughout the Middle East uh, that Iran funds, trains, and equips. And so they're using the billions of dollars in sanctions or relief that we gave them to terrorize our allies and friends. Now, uh, anybody who knows President Trump knows that that didn't make a lot of sense to him. And so that's why we got out of the uh, JCPOA, the Iran nuclear right. agreement. And it's why we started the maximum economic pressure campaign, uh, which, uh, you know, listen, ultimately led to us killing Qasem Soleimani, who was the head of the IRGC Quds Force uh, that we designated as a foreign terrorist organization. You can think of this as Iran's, uh, you know, leading elite military uh, unit responsible, by the way, for the death of hundreds of Americans. Um, And so what came out of all of that? We were told, number one, we were told that we would send the price of, uh, you know, gas through the roof because we would be taking millions of Iranian barrels of oil off the market. Well, uh, we actually had a lot of smart people working at the State Department, the Treasury Department that made sure that we put in a strategy in place to ensure that wouldn't happen. So we did not see a rise of gasoline even though we took millions of Iranian barrels oil, of oil off the market each day, we pursued that maximum economic pressure campaign. We took 
the queen off the chessboard, so to speak, in Qasem Soleimani. And what right. happened, John, at the end of four years, we had peace in the Middle East. We brought Israel and Arab together out from the shadows where they had been cooperating and out into the open. Uh, and they started working together and, uh, and, and recognized each other, had peaceful relationships. That was called the Abraham Accords. So we were told everything that we did would start war in the Middle East. Not only did it not start war, it actually led to the first peace deals between Israel and Arab states in 26 years. Yeah. Now, what happened when the Biden administration came in? Uh, they decided to reverse uh, or attempting to reverse everything that we did. So within three months, we saw uh, Hamas attacking Israel. Within seven months, Kabul falls to the Taliban. And now a year later, uh, you have Russia in a ground war in Europe. You know, it's unconscionable. Uh, and the next three years are going to be incredibly, incredibly perilous if they continue on this dangerous path. And so what you and I are hearing, John, what you're reporting on is that uh, they are at the end of negotiations for uh, getting back into the Iran deal. But your audience, John, should not be could not be confused here. They are not getting back into the JCPOA. Oh, this is they a different deal. Into a, they are not getting it. You know, when, when Blinken, who is the secretary of state, testified before the Senate and his confirmation hearing, he said that he would be negotiating a longer and stronger deal. Well, this is weaker and more feckless. Uh, then even the first deal, which President Trump said was one of the worst diplomatic deals, you know, negotiated. Um, and so this deal will, again, like the JCPOA, will not be brought before the Congress for a vote. Why? Because they know that it will be voted down. So this is this is not a treaty. Uh, this is a political arrangement that the Russians. Yes, your audience heard that right. The Russians are negotiating this deal on Can our behalf. Can you believe it? Yeah. Um, we, no, we call them a war criminal by day and ask for their help by night. <laughs> Well, John and, it, and John, and it gets worse than that. Not only the Russians negotiating for us, they're standing to make billions of dollars off this deal. You heard me right, billions of dollars. Uh, it has been reported uh, that there is a sanctions carve-out, a sanctions immunity uh, for Iran to actually work on, uh, for Russia, excuse me, to work on Iran's nuclear program. Yeah. Uh, that would give them about um, 10, it's about a $10 billion deal to construct nuclear reactors in Iran. Unreal. It, I mean, I just, it restores you know, I, the cash flow we just took away from them. It's just crazy. I'm trying really hard not to swear on your show. But <laughs> <laughs> you can swear. It's okay. I'm an Irish cop, son. You can swear all you want. <laughs> I'm, a, you know, I'm, in the Navy. I'm in the Navy, so I've got a little bit of a sailor's mouth. But I love listen, it. There is, there's a company that you've done quite a bit of reporting on, which your audience will know, because, again, your audience is sophisticated, Rajasthan. Yeah. Uh, this is the Russian company. They are the ones who would reportedly carry out this nuclear work in Iran, get, make billion, billions of dollars off of it. Um, and guess what they have been up to recently, John? Uh, they have been helping Putin invade Ukraine by taking over the Chernobyl nuclear plant, as well as another nuclear plant I'm going to right. pronounce. That we actually shot, that Russia sent rockets into in the top of it. That was a really good idea. Let's shoot rockets into a nuclear power plant. Oh, my gosh. So we are literally... The Biden administration is literally rewarding Russian criminal behavior with a massive economic lifeline. Yeah. I mean, so they are just not serious. These are not serious people. They have uh, they have no intention of, of actually stopping a, a Russian invasion. It is all talk. It's worse than even being all talk. You know, I, I'm sort of used to the, the Biden people, listen, who were the same people in charge in the Obama years. I'm used to them having like red lines in Syria that don't mean anything. 
right, or or saying that we're going to surge in Afghanistan, but, uh, you know, giving the Taliban the end date of when we're leaving. You know, I'm used to, like, stupid foreign policy decisions from the Obama-Biden team. Um, what I'm not, what I, what I think I, I shouldn't be shocked, but the um, uh, the cowardice uh and and the I, I, I'm losing words, John, to how to put it in, into effect because it still boggles my mind that they think that they can get away with giving Russia and Iran up to ten billion dollars in sanctions immunity to build nuclear reactors. Yeah, it is mind-boggling. We say we're choking China, and then we're paying them in a backdoor way. It's just insane. That's right. This happened overnight, but I thought it was meaningful and it goes right to the heart of what you're saying. The guy that replaced Soleimani as the head of the IRGC, the Republican Guard, is uh, General Salami, Hassan Salami. And overnight, as this deal is coming together, he's, you know, this country is about to get all of these benefits, cash relief, all these things. He said uh, uh, he is going, he wants to make sure that Israel and the United States know he plans to hit them with Iranian missiles. Um, he said Israel will have to endure the bitter taste of missiles uh, and Washington's strategy of strong, aggressive sanctions will only result in its own punishment. Really nice to know that the guys that Joe Biden wants to give the farm to really want to strike us with missiles. You're in, we saw it over the weekend or two weekends ago with the attack in Iraq. Right. These are not people that are going to stop their aggression after this deal, right? Of course they're not going to. I mean, listen, they have it. This is, a, this is a little bit wonky, but I think it's important for your audience to understand. There's something at the State Department called an FTO designation, and that is, that's a foreign terrorist organization designation. Right. Um, and, and, you know, that's what we call al-Qaeda, ISIS, right, other, you know, others. And so um, we at the State Department under Mike Pompeo, it was one of the, one of the first things uh, I did after being spokesperson is, is we got on stage and announced that the IRGC could source, again, this is the super elite military unit of the Iranians. We said this is a foreign terrorist organization. Now, why does that matter? Because obviously it puts tons of prohibitions on, on doing any work. IRGC could source has tons of front companies around the Middle East. And so American and other Western companies and, and anyone who wants to do business with the United States has to be careful not to run uh, afoul and to do business uh, with a with the FTO. Um, and so one of the conditions reportedly of this deal is that the Iranians are telling the Biden team, you have to drop that FTO designation on the Quds Force. Now, why does all of that matter? Well, what's going on right now is the Quds Force is the ones that are responsible for arming, for example, the Houthis in Yemen. This is another Shia terrorist group. Uh, the Houthis, what do they do? Well, they've got a lot of sophisticated weaponry uh, from the Iranians, and they do things like hit civilian airports uh, or civilian uh, you know, um, gas, uh, oil facilities, excuse me, in Saudi Arabia that result in the killing of innocent civilians. So right now, and by the way, guess who's not at the table in Vienna? The people who are impacted the most by yeah. this, the Israelis, yep. the Gulf Arabs, you know, the people that are actually the, the, the victims of terrorism by the Iranian regime, they're not at the table. So not only will this regime likely, you know, continue to fund Shia militia groups in Iraq that will continue to attack our embassies and to harass our, our diplomats and our, and our military there, they will, they will definitely continue to do that. One of the reasons that they're a foreign terrorist organization and FTO, and they're going to continue to fund these groups around the region. You know, again, the Houthis, we have to get this in our mind. You know, a lot of people fly into Dubai, 
you know, or Abu Dhabi, if you're in the energy industry, it's not unheard of for you to fly into Riyadh or, or Dharan in Saudi Arabia, right? Americans transit these airports every single day. And these civilian airports and these civilian oil facilities are being hit uh, all the time uh, by the Houthis, again, an Iranian-backed Shia militia group out, out of Yemen. And so what's the point in all of this? They're going to continue to terrorize the region, right? It, it, it's the same. It's we'll just use like our saying, dollars doing it. I know. It's the same thing with Russia. It's like, well, you know, Putin is a war criminal. Well, I mean, no crap. Like, did anyone pay attention to what he did in Syria or Gronsky or anything he's done for the past 20 years? Yeah. And they keep thinking whether it's Putin or whether it's the, the Ayatollah in Iran, the Biden administration approaches bullies. Uh, on the playground and says, you know, if I just give in to the bully and if I just give the bully whatever he wants, then he's actually going to start behaving, right? That That's really the premise. If you boil yeah. it down, I've got a toddler at home, John, so I just keep, I, you know, if these, these, these people are not that different from my toddler, right? <laughs> if you give, if you, if you give in to the bully on the playground, the bully says, you know what, I'm going to keep this behavior up that's because right. my behavior has been awarded. And the Biden team still doesn't get it. They think, no, no, if we just keep paying off the bully, if we keep appeasing the bully, he's going to stop punching at me. Well, he's not. It's such an amazing thing. And we had a story, I had a story with Seamus Bruner, uh, works with Peter Schweitzer uh, this week, because this is one of the, really one of the long-term consequences of peace through appeasement, which the Democrats, which is kind of a European style way of doing things, they've been pursuing it and it keeps coming back to consequences. So the president, President Biden puts these sanctions on Russia after the invasion and he has to exempt a big giant part of our relationship with uh, Russia, which is uranium, because during the Obama Biden Clinton years, they signed these A123 agreements that made five, 10, 20, 25 year commitments to buy Russian uranium by American utilities. And Joe Biden can't sanction that because we'd all go all dark. We'd, we'd lose significant electricity in America. We, he made during the period just before the first invasion of Ukraine in 2014, Joe Biden with uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, they gave these gigantic uh, uranium deals to the uh, uh, Russians. We have to get our uranium enriched in Russia, and then it comes here. And if, uh, God forbid, Vladimir Putin ever cut that off, we'd be in big trouble electricity-wise. That's peace to appeasement, the consequences of it. If you get into Congress, because I know you're going to run for Congress, you're going you're to get in. Do you um, do you try to get Congress to act on some of these things? You have all this great national security experience. Do we start to pull back some of the giveaways that the Obama Biden years gave gave to Russia? Listen, it, it, that's a great question, John. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be challenging uh, to hold them accountable. But one of the things one of the things that uh, people like me uh, can do, and and listen, I just want I want to educate all of my colleagues that are going to be coming in on the Republican side. We're going to fire Nancy Pelosi. We're going to stand up to this administration. Uh, I want to work with with all of my friends in the Congress, um, and we've got some great members in there right now, like Jim Banks and and Mike McCall um, and others in the House who really know this. But you know, th- this administration continues to think that they can get away with looking and sounding tough without actually being tough because the press generally, other than people like you, they generally don't know enough of the details to push back. So, for example, a few weeks ago, whenever Biden said, oh, we're not going to buy Russian uh, you know, oil and gas anymore. Well, that sounded really tough. And, and you know, everyone applauded. Yay, we're not going to do that anymore. 
Well, any of us who have worked, as I did, at the Treasury Department and understand sanctions know that if you don't put secondary sanctions on Russian uh, energy, then what does that mean? That just means the Chinese or the Indians or whatever willing buyer is out there will buy the uh, will buy the barrels uh, that we left, right, or the gas, you know, whatever the situation is. They'll buy, they'll buy the supply that we left on the table because we didn't put any secondary sanctions on it. Yep. Now, that sounds like super wonky, but why do I bring that up? Um, because I think it is going to be an incredibly rough uh, three years to hold them accountable because, listen, the press does, I mean, listen, they just fall over backwards for them and give them a pass on everything. And you need people um, like me uh, who have a strong national security background. I, I'm one of many, uh, many Republicans with that background running. But you need people who understand it who can say, wait, 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 you look tough, you sound tough. You're acting tough, but you're not really being tough. This yeah. is just a comms exercise. And we all know uh, that the supply is still in the market. Look, the root, I mean, I haven't checked since this morning, but as of this morning when I was looking at, uh, looking at the Bloomberg, the ruble was up today. Yeah. Yep. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. It, uh, it's uh, it's head-scratching to see this administration's efforts. I want to uh, pivot in a second to Tennessee a little bit more, but before we get to that, I just want to ask, uh, as you look out over the next uh, several weeks. There are some momentous things happening, right? We got to find some resolution of the Russian-Ukraine conflict. The Iran deal is going to come down, but we can't keep our uh, take our eye off of China very long. And you, you were instrumental when you were in the State Department, really taking on Huawei's 5G expansion, raising the Thank concern yeah. about China's ever at present effort to spy and, and hamper our world. What should we be watching on the China front? Because they have to be taking advantage of the fact that we're distracted with Russia, Ukraine and, and the Iran deal right now. Oh, gosh, that's a that is an excellent question. So, listen, they were very they were somewhat sneaky in how they took back uh, Hong Kong. Um, and so everybody remember, uh, you know, there was a, there was a deal that the Chinese made with not only the British, but with the world. Uh, in which, you know, they said that uh, Hong Kong would have their freedom and autonomy. And we saw starting in the summer of 2019, uh, where they start, where there were protests in Hong Kong, and one thing led to another, and the Chinese started cracking down uh, heavily in Hong Kong. I actually, they were harassing our diplomats in Hong Kong, um, and, and the president was, was very good to me. He allowed me to start really being tough with, uh, with China. I called them a thuggish regime from the State Department podium, which is one of the first <laughs> yeah, times. Yeah, that doesn't get said <laughs> very often, no. I said it, I mean, this was before, because we, we were doing the trade deal then, and so, the, but, you know, they let me take the gloves off and let me get hot and heavy. I remember I said it three times, and uh, the dear Bloomberg reporter covering the State Department looked at me and goes, did you mean to say thuggish regime? And I said, uh, yeah, I said it three times. So, <laughs> no accident there. Please tweet. please tweet, guys. So anyway, I say all that to say that they, um, you know, they didn't come in with uh, with tanks, right, and, and with, uh, you know, with, with guns blazing, you know, and, and, and ballistic missiles or anything like that to take over Hong Kong. They were pretty sneaky about how they uh, destroyed, really destroyed freedom, uh, uh, you know, freedom and autonomy and, uh, and everything required, you know, everything that Hong Kong stood for. So, um, so I think that they will, they will continue to find ways in which that they can, uh, I think, do something similar with Taiwan. Listen, we should understand, we should have no illusions about this. China wants Taiwan more than they want their next breath, right? This yeah. is, this is their hell to die on. And that's why we have to, you know, my friend Bridge Colby, um, and Matt Pottinger and others who are, who led our China strategy for President Trump, 
Uh, that's why they have made clarion calls that we have to focus. Europe you know, needs to do their part to focus on Russia because we have to focus our limited hard power resources on China, on the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, uh, to make sure that they know. They're very much watching. Listen, they saw over the past year how the Biden administration delayed and by the Biden administration, I mean Jake Sullivan specifically in the reporting delayed uh, lethal aid to Ukraine at least three yeah, times. They said they weren't going to give the lethal aid unless Putin invaded. It was a massive strategic mistake. Uh, their deterrent strategy failed. So we have to learn that strategy uh, in Taiwan. Uh, we cannot wait until it's too late uh, to arm Taiwan, which we're doing now, but we, we need to do more. We should also really, uh, your listeners, um, John, I think should really be paying attention to the South China Sea, yeah. uh, where China has created, as you know, and has militarized these fake islands. Um, uh, it, it, their goal there is, is to essentially control uh, control that that you know that those uh, sea passageways. And, and if they do that, if they control those sea lanes, then they have the ability to stop effectively global trade if they want to, right, or to hamper it in, in the doubt. region. Yeah. And that's why freedom of navigation, freedom of the seas globally is, you know, the most important thing that the U.S. Navy does. Uh, I should know because I'm a U.S. Navy intelligence officer in the reserves, go Navy. Um, <laughs> and, and that's something that uh, flies underneath the radar, I think, it that does. the average American isn't paying attention to, the militarization there. And, um, and, and that's, uh, you know, that's something where all these guys, listen, it goes back to the first thing that we talked about, standing up to the bully, right? What, what, is, what is Xi Jinping respect? The same thing that Putin, the same thing that the Ayatollah, the same thing that Maduro and every other thug respects, uh, which is strength, which is somebody who not only talks tough, but acts tough. Yeah, that's the key. You got to back up the words or it's just meaningless language. And that, that's the difference between the last administration and this administration. One last question on China, because uh, President Trump and I have had this conversation when we're together. We have NATO. Is there a moment now where the world has to create, I don't know if we call it PATO, but some sort of Pacific Treaty Organization that creates the same security buffer in the Pacific that we have uh, in, in Europe? Is there time now to be in the Navy or an intelligence officer? Uh, is there something more strong we can do to show military resolve to China in this very volatile region? Oh, gosh, you're just, this was like, this was my dream project in the, in the Trump administration. <laughs> this was like, Something that was like, no, really, you're reading my mind. This is something I, I really it's so important. You know, wanted to no, we don't talk do. about it enough in, in America. Yeah, so we do have. So one of the most important things that we did in the Trump administration is revise a quad, um, and that is uh, that was actually something that was started in the um, in the Bush administration uh, and the um, the Obama administration. For whatever reason, they may have met like once, but they basically uh, did away with the. Uh, you know, with the quad. And, um, and and so this alliance is really important. There's also, I, I have to give the Biden team credit. There's another, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, the new, there was another, uh, excuse me, uh, diplomatic and military alliance that the Biden administration came up with um, uh, early on uh, that um, this is the one where the French, you know, got really angry about because the Australians are, are you know, buying all of our our weaponry. But right. anyway, there's a couple, there's a couple, I, I'm, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name, but the quad, again, that the Bush administration started is Australia, India, India, Japan, United States. We revised that. They had not met for like eight years in the Trump administration when we revived that. 
Um, and that was an incredibly important uh, step forward that we made to start strengthening uh, the relationships with uh, like-minded friends and allies uh, in Asia to, to counter the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, so that's really important. And, um, you know, next time when I'm not on two hours of sleep, I will look up for your for your podcast viewers the name of the new alliance that the Biden team started, uh, you know, with Australia. Um, uh, we haven't heard much on that lately, but, um, but yeah. there was a, a bit last it's spring those kind and then... of things that are necessary. Yeah, yeah. We sort of fumbled the ball by irritating the French on the way out. But, you know, that's listen, right. That's the fine. bad sub deal. I forgot about that. <laughs> that's that's what it was. But listen, anytime that we can have, um, you know, alliances and groups like you're talking about that have real teeth. You know, here's the thing is that I don't want to create something that's a paper tiger. And this is why President Trump, when we were talking about NATO, why he demanded that everyone pay their fair share. Listen, I knew he was right. You knew he was right. He got a lot of criticism whenever he stood up at those meetings and said, tell me how the hell, basically, I'm paraphrasing that this is a real alliance uh, if, uh, you know, if the Germans are basically completely dependent on Russian uh, energy. You know, and, and he took a lot of flack at the time. And look how just a few years later, if he wasn't right. Right. This is why he said, listen, everyone has to pay their fair share, uh, not because uh, he wanted to break up NATO, but rather because. Uh, because he wanted NATO to be a real alliance with real teeth that the Russians would actually be afraid of. And I think the fact that Putin wasn't afraid of NATO is one of the reasons that he, that he is in Ukraine today. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's amazing. All right, let's turn to Tennessee. You are uh, yes, running for Congress in a uh, really retooled district that there's a lot of excitement. Republicans are very excited about uh, what takes you from naval officer, uh, uh, chief strategist at the State Department to wanting to run for Congress. Well, listen, I, I think it's very simple. I'm a pissed off mom, right? <laughs> I, I am... I am like many other, you know, middle-aged mamas around this country uh, that over the past year uh, became exacerbated and disgusted by what was happening in our country. Um, And and listen, I've been so honored and so proud to serve my country. Uh, You know, President Trump and and Mike Pompeo gave me the dream job, the job of a lifetime for me being State Department spokesperson. I loved being in the fight with them. I loved every day. Um, It was tough. It was hard, but being able to represent America first foreign policy on the world stage to be the face of that was, you know, if I don't accomplish anything else for the rest of my life, it was the best thing I ever did. And, and, you know, similarly, whenever I put on that Navy uniform and and the reserves and swore swore the oath, I mean, what a what a point of pride, especially I I come from a pretty military heavy family, lots of both my grandpa's uncles, you know, people in the military. I I was actually the first woman in my family to put on the uniform, which, which really meant, uh, uh, you know, a lot to me. And so I, I thought, you know, I, I think that was like many, you know, right of center women, you know, moms around the country. And I thought, well, geez, I hope President Trump runs again in 24. And, and this is, I'm not going to agree with Biden. This isn't going to be good. What I didn't realize, John, is how bad it would get how quickly, uh, both at home and abroad. Um, And when I see what they have done to our children in this country, what they've done to our schools, I mean, you look at these kids in Chicago that go into public schools that effectively were out of school for two years, right? They they weren't, they weren't in school, wearing masks in schools, the young kids not in school consistently. Um, Tell me how those kids are ever going to get a fair shake, right? I mean, there's, there's almost just uh, the the challenge uh, of, of what we did to kids in school much less all the teaching, you know, the politicizing the schools, you know, CRT and everything else. You know, so for me, I just looked around and said, you know, 
I can't wait for 2024 for President Trump to get back in, into office and for us to take the White House back. I've got to get in the fight now because I know that, number one, I'm a fighter. Um, President Trump taught me how to fight, how to stand up for America first foreign policy. Um, and, and I have, you know, every election, I think, has its unique moment in time and what it represents. Uh, and I know that it is Republican women. It's Republican mamas like me around the country that are going to stand up, that are going to run for the school board, that are going to run for Congress, that are going to run for state house. Um, and, and this army of Republican mamas are going to take this country back and we are going to fire Nancy Pelosi in November. It's a pretty exciting thing. And you're not only a pissed off mom running for Congress, you are the Trump endorsed candidate in Tennessee. How about that? That was pretty impressive. <laughs> right out of the box, he got his endorsement. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, he actually endorsed me before I even got in the race. That's uh, right. I think he might have been pushing you there. <laughs> I might have been. I think I got to look. I might be the only candidate that he did that for this cycle. Listen, it's very simple. Uh, I, I worked for him. I know him. I was in the fight with him. I was in the trenches with him. It's why Mike Pompeo and Rick Gunnell and Cash Patel and Ezra Cohen and Robert O'Brien and people I'm going to start forgetting. It's why basically Trump's entire senior national security team endorsed me uh, for this race, uh, including the president himself, obviously, because we were in the trenches together. We were in the fight together. We weren't just talking about making America first. We made America first. We implemented it together. Um, and the president knows that I know how to fight, how to stand up for him, and I'll do it better than anyone else running uh, in the 5th Congressional District. Yeah, he's very excited. I know personally that he's very proud of this endorsement, and uh, it is an amazing thing. Now, there's a little bit of interesting local politics going on in Tennessee. I, I call it candidate nullification. It looks like some of the folks in the legislature are trying to keep people out who haven't been three years in there. You moved only recently to Nashville last year or so. Um, how do you overcome that? Are you okay with that? Do you think it's going to blow away and you're going to be uh, able to run, run okay? Yeah, I'm confident that I'm going to be on the ballot uh, in August for our primary um, and I'm confident of that because I know that that people, voters here in Tennessee, uh, and especially here in Middle Tennessee in the 5th District, uh, they deserve uh, to decide who best represents them. They deserve the choice, um, and they deserve to understand why President Trump endorsed me, to hear from me, uh, what I can do for them in the Congress. And so, yeah, I, I, I am I'm excited about running. I know I'm going to win in August and then again in November. Um, and I know that because I know that the people of the 5th District uh, will be able to have that free and fair choice to vote for who they think best represents them. Yeah, and they're not just messing with you. They're messing with Donald Trump on this one, which I think what did Trump win uh, Tennessee by like about 70%. Um, so it's a really yeah, fascinating he's, fascinating he's, thing to be watching here. He's pretty popular. Yeah, he, he he's, certainly is. He's pretty popular. But listen, you know what? Trump, you know, listen, Trump is a, Trump's a fighter, right? He came on and took on, what was it, 17 other people in the primary? It was, 15, 17, uh, yeah. Whatever he won. And so, you know, he's he's done greater things, and so the rest of us are just following his example and lead. Yeah, that's an amazing thing, and it's fun to watch your career continue to evolve and expand. Uh, Morgan, you've done so much for your country already, but this next chapter is going to be a lot of fun, I suspect. And thank you so much for the time today. We learned a lot, and I can't wait to get you back on the show. Awesome. I would absolutely love to be back. Thank you so much for the opportunity, John. It's, it's a real honor. And it is for me as well. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have a quick update. Yes, President Trump, that fighter, he just sued Hillary Clinton and Christopher Steele. I know a lot of you are paying attention to that tonight. We've got the president's chief spokeswoman here in just a few seconds to talk about that right after this commercial break. 
Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back, everybody. Joining us next is President Trump spokesperson Liz Harrington. Now, before we bring in Liz... Uh, we have some very big news for fans of this show. Next week, we will be sitting down exclusively to interview President Trump right here on this show. We are going to have a great conversation about his plans for the future, the rise of the Trump doctrine, and so much more. Liz, we are so excited for that interview and to see you in person next week, because I hardly ever get to see you in person. And also to have you on to talk about today's big breaking news regarding President Trump's lawsuit. Fill us in on that. Oh, absolutely. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, John. It is going to be a great interview. I'm looking forward to that next week. But the big news today was this uh, bombshell lawsuit. Uh, President Trump is going on offense. He's naming names and he's going after these liars who tried to rig the 2016 election. And when they failed with the fake Russia collusion hoax, when they failed to stop President Trump from winning the presidency, they used it to spy on him to try to derail uh, his presidency and his administration. Everyone should go and at least read the introduction to this lawsuit because it really is a good recap of up until November 3rd, what was really the biggest political crime in our history. What they tried to do to President Trump and damage his reputation, try to derail his political career, and of course then try to derail his presidency. It didn't work, but there was a lot of cost to it. I and mean, the lawsuit details $24 million in legal fees they're still harassing him. I mean, we put out a statement today about the ridiculous efforts uh, by the district attorney in New York. But this is really what started it all, this harassment, this witch hunt. And it's time to hold people accountable. And that's what President Trump's doing. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think it changed the nature of politics. Dirty tricks that were never this dirty until the summer yeah. of 2016. I'll tell you that. Um, speaking of that New York case, we had Alan Dershowitz on just a little bit ago. He very harshly criticized the prosecutor who leaked that letter 
Uh, here's a prosecutor couldn't get the president indicted because his boss doesn't believe the evidence warrants it. So then he leaks a letter with all his dirty laundry out there. Alan Dershowitz said that this should be investigated. I know the president had very strong words as well. Your thoughts on, on what's been going on in Manhattan at the circus up there? Well, it totally is. And it's a real shame because crime is skyrocketing in New York City. They have not addressed it whatsoever. And instead, they're just going after political opponents. And, you know, it's interesting, John, you bring that up. It's the same tactics as the Russia collusion hoax. They couldn't really get a crime, but they would leak innuendo. They would spin it in the media and try to damage President Trump when they really didn't ever have the goods. It was just all uh, innuendo. And that's exactly what this total partisan hack um, Pomerantz did here. He leaked, he leaked his resignation letter. I mean, what this shows is this is how partisan this guy is because they couldn't charge President Trump because he didn't defraud anybody. He actually made his lenders more money because of he had such a, such a successful business. But this partisan hack who works with Chuck Schumer's brother, you really can't make it up, this Democrat law firm leaks his resignation letter because they wouldn't pursue false charges against President Trump to try to drum this up in the news again, to try to uh, hurt and damage President Trump's reputation. It's not going to work. Uh, we're punching back. It's just really sad. And this is the state of uh, justice in America. They loan out these Democrat firms, get them to come in to try to gin up some sort of fake crime. And then when it doesn't work, they still continue the false narrative. It's really a disgrace. Yeah, it, it is unbelievable how dirty politics has gotten. And, and that's when we're talking about politics that has always been at least a little bit dirty. But John's right. As of 2016, that completely uh, raised the bar for disgusting tactics in politics. All right, let's talk Mo Brooks. I have some questions about that that I want to ask President Trump next week. But I wanted to ask you, what, was there a final straw that caused him to to unendorse him for him to retract that endorsement? Or was it just kind of a, a you know, a, a, a bunch of factors that led up to this? Well, I think the main factor, as President Trump said in his statement, was that Alabama rally, which I was at that rally. It was, you know, a real shame because it was a great crowd. There was great energy. And then when Mo Brooks got up there, uh, he started trailing off and then talking about how we can't look back to 2020. And it's really disappointing. Um, we all kind of were shocked at it. And I think he never really recovered after that. And President Trump was certainly bothered by that. As he said, he went woke on the election. And he really just made it all about him when, in fact, we know we're not going to have fair elections for Mo Brooks or for anyone else if we don't keep talking about 2020 to fix it. I mean, that's the point. It's not about President Trump. It's about what they did to the American people. It's about our votes all counting and having the confidence that they'll count in the future. So that was the main issue. Uh, and President Trump, you know, stated it very clearly. You know, he thought Mo Brooks went in a different direction, so he decided to as well. Well, the president's got a big rally in Georgia, another state where there's a lot of election questions. And not only questions, there's now a full-scale investigation into ballot harvesting going on there. What can we expect from the president Saturday night in Georgia? Well, he will be talking about that investigation, which, you know, John, you've been doing great reporting on this, but it's stunning because Brad Raffensperger, after the election, said that the elections in Georgia have never been more trustworthy. Well, now he's issued subpoenas and they're investigating probably what is the most widespread ballot harvesting fraud in our history. Uh, it really shows how far um, the state has come in evidence being brought forth there. He's going to be, President Trump's going to be talking about all that evidence. I mean, 
Georgia really is astounding. Without a forensic audit, they have uncovered through public records requests and lawsuits and great investigations there. They've uncovered so much evidence that is way more than enough than the uh, 11,779 voter vote margin there. So he's going to be talking about that issue as well. He's going to be talking about David Perdue taking on the rhinos and Governor Kemp and Brad Raffensperger. We've got great candidates down there and you'll be hearing a lot from them as well. Absolutely. Liz, I want to talk Stormy Daniels. She, she's been ordered to pay President Trump $300,000. She has said she's not going to pay a penny of it. Whether she does or she doesn't, I feel like this is just some serious, juicy vindication for President Trump. 30 seconds left. Absolutely. It's total vindication. Of course, the fake news is not covering it. Uh, Why aren't they bringing Michael Avenatti back? I guess he's got other issues. He's not available anymore. But I mean, they couldn't even give 30 seconds to this story after they gave how many hours to those frauds. It's really sad, the state of the media, but the truth always wins. Absolutely. Liz, we appreciate you coming on so much and we will see you in person. We're heading there again, everybody. We've got that sit down interview with President Trump. Liz, we appreciate you coming on and always offering such wonderful insight into what's happening over there at the uh, Winter White House, as we used to call it, but down at Mar-a-Lago. Stay right here. We'll be right back. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery Starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. So glad to have this guest on. He's been helping us make sense of the week-long nomination hearing for Judge Katanji Browns-Jackson. Uh, Mike Davis, he's the founder and president of the Article Three Project, and before that was chief counsel uh, for nominations at the Senate Judiciary Committee. And before that, he's a former law clerk to Justice Gorsuch, Neil Gorsuch. Uh, Mike, great to have you back on the show today. Thank you for having me. This moment hadn't occurred the last time we had had you on, but I, it, I've seen Harmeet Dillon and many others. I think you've retweeted about it as well. Uh, there are many people saying that Judge Jackson's claim that she didn't have a judicial philosophy is disqualifying. Describe why that was such a momentous statement by her and why so many people have that stronger reaction to it. Well, I mean, your your job as a judge is to decide cases, and you have to tell people how you're going to go about deciding cases. What are you going to look to when you're deciding cases? As conservatives, uh, there there are conservatives who are textualists. They look at the text of the Constitution. They look at the text of the statute. They look at the text of the, uh, of the regulation. And then they're also originalists. They look at that text and they think, they say, what does that, what does that text mean to the public at the time of its enactment? And the whole point is to put people on fair notice 
that what they're doing is legal or not legal, right? And if you look at liberals, they tend to be judicial activists, meaning they tend to be results-oriented. They're just going to get to the political result that they want, and then they can just make up the, the rationale later. Uh, with Judge Jackson, uh, she's coming in and she's, she's saying she doesn't have a judicial philosophy. Well, how the hell could you be a judge if you, if you can't tell people you're gonna, how you're going to go about deciding cases? It's just ridiculous. It's very clear from her record that she has a judicial philosophy, and it's Democrats winning. We saw this uh, back in 2000. There are two cases when she was on the district court for eight years. There, she had two cases that really stand out. In 2015, she, she convoluted the Freedom of Information Act and, and ruled that Hillary Clinton's press secretary's work emails on his private email were not subject to, to public disclosure somehow under the Freedom of Information Act. And then a mere four years later, she eviscerated 230 years of constitutional law of, on executive privilege going back to George Washington to rule that, that the White House counsel, Don McGahn, had to testify against President Trump. And she was overturned on appeal, including by Democrat-appointed judges, but it just shows that she's a political activist who's just trying to get to, the, to a political result. Yeah, it is absolutely stunning. It really is. And I think this hearing will ultimately, and see if you agree with this, this hearing may be remembered for all the things she could not answer. We had, um, or would not answer, I think she could if she chose not to answer, but we had Alan Dershowitz on last night. He said he was floored at how ill-prepared, and he, he was someone who was advocating for Judge Jackson, how ill-prepared she was, and her failure to answer basic questions uh, really hurt her um, standing. Do you agree with that, that uh, beyond her philosophy, uh, her qualifications take a ding when they can't answer basic or won't answer basic questions like this? Yeah, I mean, it was bizarre. So this is what I didn't understand about why Democrats thought they needed to rush this thing. They're really rushing this this hearing, and they're saying, well, Amy Coney Barrett rushed it. And I pointed out weeks ago, uh, okay, great, Amy Coney Barrett performed flawlessly, no notes at her confirmation hearing. Uh, this is a this is a problem for them now. I mean, yeah, they is. didn't need to. She she doesn't need to be confirmed until the end of until the end of June. Justice Breyer is going to stay on the bench until the end of June. So there's no rush. So I don't understand why they were rushing to get her up there. The risk that she took was that she was going to fall flat on her face, and in several instances she did. She couldn't even answer what a woman means. I mean, it was just it's it was baffling to me how ill prepared she was, and especially on the, the seven specific uh, child pornography cases that Senator Josh Hawley tweeted out several days before her hearing started and then told her on Monday in his opening remarks that he was going to ask her the next day on Tuesday morning about these seven specific cases and so she could prepare herself. And she didn't prepare herself. It was unbelievable. I mean, it's pretty clear now why the Democrats were rushing this confirmation, yeah. even though she's not even going to take the bench until the end of till the end of June, beginning of July, is because they're trying to hide her 25-year record of advocating for leniency for people convicted of possession and distribution of child pornography and people who are uh, sex predators of kids. That goes back to her Harvard Law School notes, where she argued 25 years ago that these sex offender registry laws are somehow unconstitutionally punitive. It followed to the sentencing commission they're hiding these records where she uh, made it her mission to advocate 
for more lenient sentences for people who possess and distribute child pornography. Right. And that followed her onto the district court where she went seven of seven times, all 100% of the time. She had 100 federal felony sentences in her eight years on the bench. Seven of them were cases where she had discretion on child pornography, which is a really high number. The national average is less than 2%. She had like 10 of these cases, seven of them where she had discretion. And 100% of the time, she sentenced the, the, the person who possessed and distributed child pornography to a sentence lower than the guidelines from the Sentencing Commission and lower than what the prosecutor recommended. Yeah, it's uh, it's clearly beginning to pick up steam too. People are beginning to absorb that and say, "Well, why, 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 why is she so uh, lenient? What, what, what is her, what is her reason? Does she have something in her background? Does she know somebody?" Uh, it's a very unusual thing, and I think also uh, the idea that the digital era somehow lessened the severity of the crime because where you can get more images quickly. Most people would say, well, if they had more images, that makes it worse, not 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 less, more exploitation. Um, her whole reasoning for this, uh, it was hard to follow her intellectual argument. Um, did you have any, can you make any sanity of what her argument was, why she deviated, and why she thought the internet era made child pornography uh, defendants more, I don't know, sympathetic, more, more, more deserving of leniency? Yes, at the Article 3 project, we did a deep dive into the transcripts from her sentencing for four years on the Sentencing Commission. We did a deep dive into a key 2012 report that I can talk about. We did a deep dive into her sentencing hearing transcripts on these on these seven cases. This is this is sick. Actually, she thinks she 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 brought this up. She thinks that people who possess and distribute child pornography. She calls them non-producers. That's left-wing euphemism for people who sit around and take pleasure watching kids getting raped on the computer screen because that's what child pornography yes, is, it right? Is. It's rape. Yeah, it she is. thinks that these, these people, she argued at the 2012 Sentencing Commission hearing, she raised it as a hypothetical question, which is nonsense. She, she posited that, they're, that these people are not, these child pornographers are not pedophiles. So therefore, they're not a danger to kids. And so therefore, we don't need to put them in prison for as long as Congress has mandated we put them in prison. That's, her, that's the whole point of all this. She had two expert witnesses at the time that this 2012 sentencing commission hearing, one was a Columbia Medical School psychiatrist and one was a federal prosecutor. And they both said, no, 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 that is completely wrong. Nonetheless, she contradicted the only expert testimony she had, those two people who contradicted her, and she made her theory a key finding of this 2012 Sentencing Commission report. And federal judges cite to this Sentencing Commission report and her rationale for giving more lenient sentences to these child predators, to these people who possess and distribute child pornography. And she did that seven out of seven times on the district court uh, and one of these cases was this guy named Hawkins. Yeah, he was supposed that's to the face, one that's so important. He was, yeah, he was supposed Wesley to Hawkins. eight years yeah. in prison. Yeah. Wesley Hawkins. He was he had child porn. He was supposed to face eight years in prison. At his sentencing hearing, we have the transcript. She said that he wasn't a pedophile, and then she only sentenced him to three months in prison instead of eight years. She gave him like seventy-three months of supervised release after he got out of prison in three months, but she did not 
order computer monitoring, which is routine for these creeps. He gets out after three years. During his supervised release period, he reoffends. He reoffends during that time he should have been in prison. He goes onto a computer and is hunting down little kids again at the time that he should have had at least computer supervision. She didn't do either of those things. She this, this Hawkins reoffends, and he goes to jail for six more months. And so that is a direct consequence of her, of her bizarre theory that these people are not pedophiles and therefore she goes light on them. It's, it is, she's dangerous. She is dangerous to America with her theory on child pornography. It is really now. I think uh, people are really beginning to talk about it. Everyday people. I mean, I think the first couple of days it was in the Washington circles, but it is now seeped out. They're like, what's going on here? And I think uh, your work there. Now, I want to go back to the Sentencing Commission and the great work your team has done there, because I want to make sure I understand what uh, Judge Jackson was overruling from the experts. If I understand correctly, let me see if I got this right. Uh, she said that uh, child pornographers were not pedophiles and the experts said, no, that's not right. You have that wrong. A, ped a child pornographer is a pedophile. Is that correct? That's yes. And it's even worse. And they're also a danger to the community. She disregarded that. Wow. Yeah. Pretty remarkable. Wow. And this is this is on Article Three projects uh, uh, in the material that we're putting out on Twitter and Getter. It's at Article Number Three Project. At Article Three Project, it is out there. It's her words on paper. This is not racist. This is not sexist. Somehow she's a woman again. When when the Democrats want to say we're being sexist, it's not racist. It's not sexist. It's not a smear. This is her record. These are her words on paper. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, uh, I think there's a lot more to be done. It'll be interesting to see. I saw uh, Mitch McConnell came out against her nomination. Joe Manchin came out for her nomination. Any early reactions? And does McConnell coming out so early signal to the Republicans it's okay to vote against her? Every Republican must oppose this nomination after this has been exposed about her uh, her pattern and practice of freeing these dangerous child pedophiles who go on to, to, to harm kids again. So no Republican should vote for this, for this nomination. And if they do, they should be primaried. And if that means we lose the Senate seat, so be it. It is this important that they cannot vote for her. I would say this about Manchin and these others. Two weeks is a very, very long time when we're dealing with Supreme Court nominations. I lived every second of this during Kavanaugh's fight as the chief counsel for nominations. Yeah, as, you as, did. As the staff, as, as the staff a minute was a long time in the Kavanaugh case. <laughs> exactly. And at the Article 3 Project, we will continue to educate the American people, including in Mark Kelly in Arizona and Kristen Sinema in Arizona and Joe Manchin in West Virginia and uh, Romney and Susan Collins and all these Democrats who have to face their, their voters this year we will 100% make sure that their constituents know that uh, know about Judge Jackson's 25-year disturbing record on ch on child sex predators. These are these are important issues, and and thankfully you're doing a lot of this work. Uh, uh, that great experience you had in the Senate, you know, how to vet a nominee. Now we're we're getting to see all that benefit because there really hasn't been an organization. 
uh, like yours. You know, this is really the first time that we've had something like the Article Three Project, where someone on the outside is amplifying the vetting that the the senator and senators and their staff are doing. Really, a remarkable thing. What gave you the inspiration for that? Well, I started I, when I left the Senate Judiciary Committee after the Kavanaugh confirmation and running several more nominations hearings after that. I think I broke every piece of China in the Senate, so I needed to get the hell out of there. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very quaint place. It is. They, they uh, don't take truth-telling very well, do they? No, no. I mean, I, McConnell loved me, Grassley loved me, but it was definitely time for me to get the hell out of there. So I, I will say, when I left there, I was going to go to a law firm and you know just go make money for the first time in a long time, and I got recruited to do this, and I uh, and you know I just I I I I didn't want to give up this fight, and the law firms are too risk averse, and they didn't want someone you know who's a fighter like I am uh, uh, chasing away clients, and so I said you know what, keep your money, I'm going to do this, and I've been largely subsidizing this out of my own pocket because I care about this issue. Wow. I think what we're doing at the Article Three Project with uh, with with our fight for a constitutionalist uh, judiciary is critically important, not only to get all these constitutionalist judges on the bench that we did during the Trump years, but also to protect them now, like we're doing right now with Justice Clarence Thomas under attack and Jenny Thomas I under wanna, attack. I want to pivot to that next. You, you were reading my mind. Um, a weapon. I, I assume this is a weapon of mass distraction that we have going on, right? Jackson didn't have a good week, and so uh, all of a sudden, uh, text messages between Mark Meadows and uh, Justice uh, Clarence Thomas's, Jenny Thomas's, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, Jenny Thomas, uh, come out. Is there something criminal that she did or something illegal or inappropriate she did no, by having an opinion? That's just that's just utter nonsense. This is a total distraction from Judge Jackson's record on child pornography. Uh, they, the, the Democrats, uh, including their lapdogs in the mainstream, and when I say main, mainstream, I mean liberal media, right. are more concerned about a Supreme Court justice's wife's personal political views than they are about a Supreme Court nominee's 25-year troubling record on sex predators of kids. Yeah. It is, this is a total distraction. Even if everything that people are saying about Jenny Thomas is true, that she's text messaging Mark Kelly and she's upset that she thinks the election uh, was stolen. She has a first amendment right to say all this stuff. She was a, she's been a political activist her entire life long before she met Clarence Thomas, you know, three decades ago, almost four decades ago, long before the Senate voted to confirm Justice Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court. I, I know Justice Thomas and Jenny Thomas very well. They're great people. I love them very much. They're great Americans. He just got out of the hospital. He's unfazed and determined. What they're trying to do there is smear them. They're trying to cow them before they rule on these key cases like Roe versus Wade before the end of June. They're trying to distract from their own mess with Judge Jackson's confirmation hearing and it's not going to work justice thomas does he escaped justice thomas escaped the democrats plantation long ago uh jenny thomas never worked in the democrats kitchen justice thomas doesn't own his wife and she has first amendment rights like everyone else in america she is a political activist she's a warrior and thank god for it yeah 
you know, it's weird. Uh, she has come up many times over the years in the mainstream media. She's sort of the uh, favorite of the media to pick on. But we had many other justices who have husbands and wives. Uh, Justice Ginsburg, Ginsburg's husband, Martin, was a, a prominent lawyer involved in some of the most important uh, tax cases, a you know, really significant lawyer. Uh, I don't think I ever heard anyone say, well, wait, he's doing tax law and she's rolling out a tax case. Uh, is there just something about Clarence Thomas that goes right back to the beginning of his hearings? He's always been treated differently. He and Jenny Thomas have always been treated differently by the media. There's never been scrutiny of another judicial spouse or justice spouse like Jenny Thomas. I'm curious why you think that is. Yeah, I mean, justice... Ruth Bader Ginsburg's husband was a lawyer of counsel at a law firm that argued cases before Justice Ginsburg on the Supreme That's right. Court. Yeah. Same with same with liberal judges. We had liberal judges who their husband worked for the ACLU. Their husbands worked for the ACLU and they argued cases before that judge, right? And what is Jenny Thomas's stake in this election? She doesn't work, she's not the president. She's not trying to be president. She's not the vice president. She's not trying to be vice president. She doesn't work for the Trump administration, so she's not going to lose her job. What the hell is her personal stake other than being a citizen? There's zero legal basis for, for any recusal. There's zero legal basis for any corruption. And frankly, if I were Jenny, I would sue all these people who are accusing her of, defam uh, accusing her of, uh, of corruption. I would sue them for, for defamation. It's utter, complete baseless nonsense it is amazing and, and clarence thomas has endured this since you know i got to this town the day before the clarence thomas confirmation hearings by the way presided over by joe biden uh started yep. and uh the the media's treatment of clarence thomas never never changed it's uh, pretty pretty darn remarkable when you see it you talked about the next two, three weeks being a long period of time. Uh, last question for you. What do you think happens to educate the public? Are there more potential revelations that could come down the pike as more documents are foiled or, or uh, made public to these senators? Well, you know what? I'm going to dig into my own pocket again at Article 3 Project, and I'm going to put out some digital ads uh, explaining this issue to Joe Manchin's constituents and Kristen Cinema's constituents and Mark Kelly's constituents. People need to know what's going on here. And so I'm going to do that at the Article 3 project. Uh, and people need to light up the Senate switchboard, 202-224-3121, 202-224-3121. Ask to speak to both home state senators and tell both home, both home state senators' offices vote no on this nomination. There's Not only are they hiding her record, the record that we do know is disqualifying. She does not have the judgment to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. She doesn't share our values. This, this, is, this nomination is rushed, and the reason it's rushed is Democrats don't want us to know who Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson really is. Yeah, such an important appointment. These last 30, 40 years, we want to get this right. And what's the rush, right? I think that's one of the most important things, Mike, that you've been saying for the last several days. And I think now we're beginning to see a more complete picture on the philosophy she says she doesn't have, but she clearly does. It's an honor, Mike, to have you on. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to be checking in with you next week again and uh, staying on top of this very important story. Thank you, Jack. Thanks a lot, Mike. Good to talk to you. Have a good weekend. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back in a few minutes to wrap things up. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. Now, I got a little bit of breaking news, two breaking news, actually. First off, Next week, I'll be going down to Florida and doing an extensive interview with Amanda Head with President Donald Trump. Yep, former President Donald Trump, 45. We're going to spend a good amount of time with him going over issues and and topics and policies and the Trump doctrine and so much more. His lawsuit against Hillary Clinton, the Durham investigation, yes, and election integrity. We're going to cover all of those moments. That is a big one. But here's another big one. This is really big. Starting tomorrow, yes, tomorrow, Saturday, I'm launching a new Sirius XM Patriot show called Just the News. This is really great. And I'm joined by two extraordinary colleagues, Cheryl Atkinson, the great investigative reporter, five-time Emmy Award-winning reporter, television reporter, host of a great TV show called Full Measure on the Sinclair Broadcast Network. She's going to be one of my partners on this project, as is the great historian, the great writer, the great thought leader, Victor Davis Hanson. Get out. I have a serious XM Patriot radio show with two amazing co-hosts, Victor Davis Hanson and the incomparable and extraordinary investigative journalist, Cheryl Atkinson. I am so excited. Tune in tomorrow, 9 a.m. If you got Sirius XM, pop on the Patriot channel. Check it out. I'm super, super excited. Now, one other thing to check out. We always have great partners, great advertisers, great supporters, great strategic partners. And the reason they're important isn't just because they advertise on a show. They always have a opportunity unique to the Justin News family, to the John Solomon Reports listening base. And our good friends at Smith AI are doing that for you today. Businesses are spread thin right now. We know that. Clients demand is going up. They want to see results right away. Smith AI provides small businesses like mine with award-winning virtual receptionists who handle all your calls, your chats, your texts to unlock new business at a fraction of the cost of hiring someone else. That's a pretty good deal, right? You're running a small business. Why have a full-time person when you can outsource to an incredible company, Smith AI, a great group. Listeners are going to save. Get a load of this. Because you're just the news fan, because you're a John Solomon Reports listener, you can save $100 when you sign up using the promo code JUSTNEWS at smith.ai. Let me give you that again. Smith, like the last name, dot 
AI. Now be sure to use the code JUSTNEWS and you're gonna save 100 bucks at sign up. That is a great deal. If you run a business, you need someone to stay on top of your messages, activate you when a message is important, Smith AI have the perfect solution for you. Check them out today, smith.ai and use the promo code JUSTNEWS to get a $100 discount. What a great deal. All right, tune in tonight. Amanda and I have a great show planned. We've got Major League Baseball player Preston Gamet. He's been involved in some of the Twitter censorship. He said something about Hunter Biden's laptop and got whacked down. We want to talk to him about that. We're going to have Jason Foster, great Senate investigator, a major whistleblower case, a major win for whistleblowers across this country. He's going to tell us what that is right on the show tonight. So check that out on Real America's Voice, Channel 219 on the Dish Network, Channel 240 on Pluto and on the Real America's Voice app. And of course, on the Just the News app, just hit the watch button. You can watch the show at any time. All right, folks, that wraps it up. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week with more editions of John Solomon Reports, a exclusive interview with President Donald Trump, all coming up in the next few days. All right, have a good night. We'll talk to you soon. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.